You're listening to a podcast about images and the artists who make them. Brought to you by the 2023 edition of Momenta, Biennale de l'Image, curated by Ji Yun Han. Entitled Masquerades, drawn to metamorphosis, the 18th edition of Momenta, Biennale de l'Image, presents 23 artists whose projects activate processes of transformation, mimicry, and mutation. Its goal is to shed light on the dynamics of visibility and invisibility, defining the relationships between self and other, between humans and our environment. I'm your host, Montreal artist and filmmaker Jamie Ross, and I'm meeting up with the artists showing work at this edition of Momenta for generous moments of conversation. Je suis votre animateur, artiste et vidéaste Jamie Ross. Je rencontre des artistes faisant partie de cette édition de Momenta pour des conversations enrichissantes. Les entretiens seront en français ainsi qu'en anglais. I love artists. I love having the opportunity to sit with other artists about the work we make and to look at it with rigor, with curiosity, and with delight. I'm interested in the messiness and the irregularity of communication. And I believe in the singular energy that is engendered by the places that inspire artwork. Not just our studios, galleries, or the museums where they're shown. I'm interested in the resonance of a site and the objects that accompany each artist in their practice. For this series, I join Momenta artists for an encounter at a site of their choice to hear about their process and to think about the questions their work asks. And I'm also fascinated by the paradox that is artists working with images, sharing their work in a decidedly non-visual medium, that of a conversation, a podcast. So I've lived all of my adult life in Montreal, and there's one place I have never gotten around to visiting, the biosphere. So when Seamus Gallagher proposed the iconic Buckminster Fuller-designed geodesic dome from Expo 67 as a site of inspiration related to the project presented by Momenta, you know I leapt at the chance. For this episode, we explored the dome under a bright summer sun as we conversed about Seamus' practices. Enjoy. At the sound of the bell, we begin the spell. Welcome, Seamus Gallagher. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the Momenta podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Very flattered. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for bringing us to this really special place. First time here. Uh, it's beautiful. We're at the Biosphere currently. And uh, yeah, I'm so happy. I'm here for two days, so I'm happy to have like a location that's a, a bit of like a tourist checkbox for me, but also uh, still kind of related to my own work. Absolutely. Let's, um, let's take a moment to describe for our listeners a little bit about the setting. Let's describe it a little bit visually because the paradox of this medium, of course, is that we can't show very well where we are. Um, yeah, would you describe what you can see from where you're sitting? I see many, many triangles that create a fraction of a dome and many, many trees, many greenery, and just all around a very calming atmosphere. To my left, we do see a funny little boardroom uh, glass doors uh, into a board meeting room. And yeah, feeling very at peace here. I love it. We're on this deck next to a boardroom within the Buckminster Fuller <laughs> Dome for our <laughs> listeners. So the entire, the Biosphere, which will be familiar to most um, through its connection to Expo 67, 
Buckminster Fuller's dome that famously caught on fire. Mm -hmm. um, we're inside it on this porch next to a water feature on the island. <laughs> <laughs> and there are some summer cicadas. I see also a plane that's flying and I think I can also slightly hear. Oh yeah. There are some Bernache, some Canada geese. And I can sense the slight sound of the ripening of the crab apples just to our north, but... Now that you mention it. Maybe, oh, yeah. our, maybe our listeners might have a little more trouble with that. <laughs> well, I think that the, the most elegant and exciting part of being here is that connection between the work you're showing around world, world fairs and international universal expositions. Mm -hmm. Would you tell our listeners a little bit about the project you're presenting at Momenta? A little bit about the concept and what it feels like to be inside the show? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a show I've been working on for the past two or so years, mostly just through research. Uh, the sort of jumping off point conceptually was my research into the 1939 New York World's Fair. Uh, at the time, I was thinking a lot about sort of hauntology and this idea of uh, present being sort of haunted by lost features of the past. And so the 1939 New York World's Fair, the theme that year was World of Tomorrow. So I was really interested in revisiting the sort of um, nostalgic uh, projection of a future. Mm. And so during my research, I was looking at particularly DuPont's pavilion, because mm. that's something that's funny, maybe with all World's Fairs, uh, but this sort of... Uh, sort of positioning of companies having the same placement as entire countries yep. <laughs> is uh, very, very bizarre to me. And DuPont was uh, premiering their newest invention, which was nylon stockings. And so they had this very campy uh, pavilion where in order to advertise nylon stockings, they had this woman whose only identification publicly was as Miss Chemistry perched on top of this three-tiered pedestal leg outstretched showing off these nylon stockings uh and i was really interested in that just both visually but also uh researching the sort of history of nylon and the many like sort of associations that it's come uh, to develop since its sort of production and so my exhibition is called mother memory cellophane and i created a series of lenticular photos and a video work sort of performing as this ghost of Miss Chemistry mm -hmm. and sort of using uh, this figure um, to sort of think through these ideas of lost futures, uh, particularly lost futures caused by companies like DuPont, uh, thinking about the sort of environmental destruction these corporations have caused. And uh, yeah, just thinking about sort of plastic as a whole and the sort of uh, nylon production as its own form of haunting. Mm. Uh, the way that sort of we sort of use these materials and then discard them and think that they're sort of no longer with us, but they are kind of haunting our environment. Mm -hmm. One other pavilion that I was really interested in in the 1939 New York World's Fair was, it was either Futurama or Democracy, both funny <laughs> little names, uh, but it was the sort of imagined uh, future uh, city. And really what it was was just highways and suburbs it whoa, was like this quote-unquote utopic vision of the like futuristic city where like everyone has their own car everyone has their own house and they drive into the city and they work and then they come home into their own little bubbles this was presented as like 
the dream. <laughs> but the kicker was that the entire uh, pavilion was funded by General Motors. So it's like <laughs> this sort of uh, future given to us by these companies presented totally. as this utopic idea. Uh, it's like, um, yeah, biting my tongue while laughing, just sort of totally. researching it. Like, <laughs> I mean, this is deeply a practice. <laughs> I mean, also the erotic dimensions are so wild to me too. Like the fact that there's, at least in the Montreal one that I'm a little more familiar with, there was, there was a lot of women who were brought in from all around the country to right. work the pavilions. Mm -hmm. And so if you had the pavilion from X country, you'd hire Canadian women from small towns all across the country. And they had fairs to hire people to play bartenders because a lot of these pavilions were serving drinks. Oh, interesting. So La Terre des Hommes, man and his world, was quite oriented towards men to be able to have a drink and learn about how progress was working in Czechoslovakia or how progress was working in country Y, country yeah. Z. Very little social progress, but so progress wild. and like innovation, quote unquote. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, there's also just these, the islands that we're on right now have such an interesting history. Like we were also just speaking about, um, right now uh, we're on Ile Saint-Hélène, which is a natural island. This is an mm -hmm. island that was existing before Expo 67, but Jean Drapeau's big project of the metro, the excavation from the metro was installed right across this little rapid mm. and formed this island. Um, and this is also the island where people were interned after World War II in concentration camps. Yeah. Mostly Germans, uh, Italians, but also people who had been rescued from, uh, Jewish people who had been rescued from camps, only to become interned in this park again that would later become Expo. Such a wild place. Yeah, there's such a wild history. Yeah, yeah. Such a wild series of threads that, that we've moved through it, just like in your work. Though no longer amused to its owner, they will still dutifully catch whatever crosses its path. Would you describe that um, the mise en scène of the video? There's this incredible set that's built, and the character. Miss Chemistry is like, is really, she's crowning this really complicated, um, beautiful sort of nocturnal mise-en-scene. Would mm -hmm. you describe that visually for our audience? Yeah, so a lot of my practice is sort of developing these, uh, these sets out of two-dimensional imagery, uh, creates a sort of uncanny image. So uh, my background's as a photographer and a sort of media artist. So I usually either photograph or render these uh, objects and then create large format prints out of them to create this sort of stage for whatever the video or photo ends up being. And so for the video in Mother Memory Cellophane, I took a lot of inspiration from two separate parts of the DuPont Pavilion. Mm. One was this image I found of Miss Chemistry on this sort of three-tiered um, pedestal with a sort of red curtains surrounding her. But then another one was a mural that was part of DuPont's pavilion. And the mural has uh, DuPont's sort of slogan at the time, which was better things for better living through chemistry. And then in that mural as well, there's this, it's again, pretty campy to look at now, but this sort of godlike figure with a crown that said chemistry on it, uh, I think holding a torch and it sort of shows a uh, sort of billow of smoke surrounding this chemistry figure. And it shows a sort of um, pastime prior to all the innovations that have come through uh, um, these sort of companies like DuPont. And then the sort of utopic 
future to the right. So I took a lot of mm. uh, imagery from the mural and created this setting for Miss Chemistry to take center stage. I love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> it almost looks like also arms that raise on either side of her. The, the banners of the, the text that you just, like that, that slogan that is, is written in banners underneath her throne-like structure. Mm -hmm. They rise on either side, almost with trees or arm-like figures. There's, there's sort of like a, a figurative element almost to the set. Yeah, um, there's like a very natural and unnatural aspect of it where mm -hmm. there were like sort of 3D renderings of these sort of uh, natural environments like trees and flowers that sort of encompass the set. I wanted something kind of romantic looking, but also uh, a bit mm, more nightmarish, but mm. in like a nice way. <laughs> it's uncanny for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you describe also how the face is created, the character that you play in the, mm -hmm. in the piece has a very interesting, uh, there's like a decalage, there's a certain, there's a bit of a slippage, both in the spoken dialogue and in the reverb, but also in the way that the face is represented and the movement of the mouth that also really feeds that perfect and canny vibe. Would you describe like that sort of texture and, and the technique behind the face? Yeah, absolutely. So for previous projects, I've sort of developed this process of creating these 3D models of often drag-inspired characters. And then I use this program that turns 3D models into paper templates so that I can then print them out, cut them, score them, hot glue them together, and wear them for various photos and videos. Um, for this one, I changed it a little bit where I modeled this face, but I didn't add any image texture of it. So I left this face completely blank. And then I created a 3D rendering of this figure who ends up being Miss Chemistry in the video and projection mapped uh, this rendering of Miss Chemistry onto this blank sculpture face mask. Uh, part of that was to sort of add this spectral element of um, this sort of projection uh, sort of illuminating this face and again uh, even more uncanny uh, as I sort of move slightly throughout the video the the face itself sort of shifts from where it's intended to be mapped and uh, yeah I just wanted to sort of um, continue the sort of ghostly haunting aspect that sort of conceptually and visually flows through the exhibition. Mm -hmm. Yeah it's like the theme of the biennial of course this series masquerades mm -hmm. and it's like it's a perfect sort of mise en abime of like projection of a mask of a face on the face itself it's it is it does feel like there's something i like trying to like incorporate sort of images of sort of glamour and desire but then it's sort of like twice removed to the point where it becomes a bit more uh upsetting <laughs> potentially for people to look at <laughs> so uh the, like the original sort of 3d model i think is looks very stunning but then uh it's sort of this facial motion capture where I'm talking to the camera and then the model is uh, receiving the sort of facial movement data. And so then there's already this layer of like disconnect and then having that projected onto this uh, mask as well. It sort of, um, yeah, becomes something else entirely through this uh, uh, copy of a copy. And it's not necessarily a photorealistic copy either. It is ghostly. Mm -hmm. It's sort of a whitened, desaturated image. It, it, it's Lynchian in my eye. It, it brings like a, a Mulholland Drive sort of night projection. It makes me also think about that work of yours, Thinking of You, Thinking of Me, where the sort of fractalized printed 3D images of two figures are kissing 
the character in the center and being worn as a mask. Mm -hmm. Is that three faces and two faces, like two quite masculine looking faces are kissing the, the queen in the center. And it's, it's that, that same sort of cyclical, repetitive thinking of you, thinking of me, but then seeing two figures interacting with the center who has ostensibly created and animated and printed and formed mm -hmm. and incarnated all of the scene themselves. Right. It's, it's a really complex gesture that I also see being recreated in this piece. Yeah, it's uh, both like conceptually and visually something that I don't think I was done with with that video uh -huh. and uh, always just seems to sort of lurk throughout my work. But it's all slipped down, down, down. The vessel's broken down and joined the spillage. In trying to keep myself together, I feel it all slip into the shimmering horizon. So the simulacra of the video is like is one of the parts that most appeals to me. But there's also like the deep love of text that comes mm -hmm. through the exhibition and comes through the piece itself. Um, would you explain the relationship of the lenticulars, which also have this really strong textual element to, it, to them? Um, are, they, are they from the video? Or do they relate to the video? Do they stand adjacent to the video? Yeah, so accompanying the video, there's a series of five lenticular prints. A lot of them are sort of uh, portraits of mischemistry uh, inspired by sort of archived uh, advertisements or postering of um, old nylon stocking uh, adverts. And uh, so the lenticular prints, um, for anyone listening that isn't familiar, they're the sort of printing technique where the image changes depending on the viewpoint it's looked at. So the images of mischemistry sort of shift from these photos to uh, text that appears in the work itself. And I wanted to work with lenticular printing uh, just to drive home the sort of idea of haunting uh, mm -hmm. these images while like present aren't always fully seen at once. Mm -hmm. So uh, it does create more of like a um, ghostly affect to the exhibition. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the, the um, shifting images, it shifts from the photo to the text and the text is sort of, I ultimately between three images that sort of make up the text. Um, there was a renderings of coal, air and water images moving through the photo. Mm -hmm. And those were taken from uh, how DuPont had sort of advertised nylon, they described it as sort of being made from coal, air, and water, so. Coal, air, and water. Yeah, originally they had more of a scientific description of it, uh, saying that it was sort of produced using this chemical, I think called cadaverin. Uh, cadaverin? In the, their original text, they had talked about how theoretically it could be um, sort of taken from uh, a chemical that people sort of expose after dying. Wow. But people misinterpreted this and thought that DuPont was like harvesting. Using babies. Yeah, corpses. <laughs> and so they had like one sort of PR disaster where this woman was like, I know people that work in the DuPont department that like harvest these corpses. So DuPont obsessed with image. We're like, okay, cut it. It's just coal air water. <laughs> That's how we make. <laughs> That's how we make this nylon uh, product. Oh my god, nylon is people. There you go. Yeah, I think like the writing about Miss Chemistry that was used in advertisements, she was kind of talked about uh, insep like inseparable from the fabric. It's as though like she was nylon itself. Mm. She was sort of seen as a 
described as the synthetic woman of the future. And so I was just interested in sort of resurrecting this idea of a synthetic woman of the future. It's like that, that classic um, reflection on misogyny where women in public space cannot occupy like uh, monumental positions as themselves. They have to be these, these allegories. Mm-hmm. Like they have to be peace or war. Justice is blind and holding her implements. She can't be like Madame Turini. A person. Right, yeah. exactly. She can't be herself. Yeah, um, separate to Miss Chemistry, there's other writings about her where she's uh, labeled as the test tube lady. Um, because in the, the 1940 rendition of the New York World's Fair, DuPont repeated their pavilion, uh, but made it even a bit more bizarre where Miss Chemistry steps out of an enlarged test tube. So it's just like, yeah, not a person, but just a vehicle to advertise this new material. A recipient of our ideas. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so wild. Mm-hmm. Um, would you tell us the story behind the title of the exhibition? Yeah, Mother Memory Cellophane. So that was taken from a poll I found uh, conducted in 1940 on the most beautiful words in the English language. And those were the top three, spart- uh, top three spots, respectively. And I was really interested in, I think any sort of people's perception of a beautiful word is very much linked to their its connotation. So it had this sort of like nostalgic uh, sort of home for uh, the top two words of mother and memory. And then cellophane, which was just created a few years prior, uh, sort of, I think, took up the space of like people's uh, sort of hope for the future. Um, I'm sort of projecting that meaning onto it, but uh, it's interesting just seeing like those three words paired mm. together. And so I thought it was a nice way of tying in a lot of the ideas of the exhibition itself of just sort of um, nostalgia and sort of promises of a future. Yeah. Uh, especially thinking now our relationship to cellophane, it's one, our relationship to sort of plastic, there's much different connotation uh, when people sort of regard these materials, but mm-hmm. it's also just like a cheap material. It's mm-hmm. nothing that I think any of us think uh, too highly of. Yeah. And it certainly wouldn't make a top three position in like the most beautiful words today. It's so absurd. <laughs> <laughs> Do you identify yourself like, I mean, my, my, as a queer video artist myself, my, my love of lineage is like such a, a place of like, of desire for me to like locate and situate the work that I make. And I feel like there's so much interesting, um, both critique of utopia, but also a touch of pessimism, but also a pleasure and a delight, I think, in the utopic and the deliciousness of drag, of mm-hmm. course, in both your, this work and your practice at large. Do you like situate yourself in a particular lineage with relationship to queer pessimism or to the utopic, either thinkers or writers or, or, or particular artists that, that you really feel an affinity to? I don't, uh, I don't know. It's sort of, partly like it depends on what project I'm working on. And there's this sort of, I think I am a pessimist, but I would love to not be. (laughs) There's this sort of like reach towards um, uh, maybe another position just because it seems like a more productive way of like moving through the world. Mm. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Apologies. I I think performance is such an interesting way of, of of dealing with feelings around pessimism, I think, and I think mm-hmm. that like the, the image of mischemistry in this in this piece is 
it just reminds me that like you can still you can still host a cabaret as the world burns or Truly. As the, as the luck. um i have prepared a little game for you oh, around love. words oh amazing when i was watching your your work um a quote from david winorovich's close to the knives came to mind okay and so because there's such an interest in this really strange most beautiful words in the English language sort of quirk in the piece. I have a game for you. I can't wait. So I will say two words and you tell me which is your, you prefer. Oh, amazing. And then that word will win <gasps> and go to the next round. And then I'll give you the next word and that word will win and go to the next round. I cannot wait. Um, and then maybe we'll read the, the quote because it, there's something I think really interesting about how that's sort of like the view, the elevated sort of sentimental I don't want to say nostalgic because it doesn't feel super nostalgic but that that sort of yeah acid elevated vantage point on the world sort of I think mm -hmm. dovetails with the, the character in your film amazing okay so between cigarette and backwards cigarette ooh that might win <laughs> <laughs> they love cigarettes <laughs> between cigarette and sputtering oh that's a really good one Oh, I felt like I created an emotional bond with cigarette, but I have to go with sputtering. Between sputtering and excavation. Sputtering. Between sputtering and slide. Sputtering. Oh. Between sputtering and stirring. Sputtering and stirring. I love the two together. I think sputtering. We could have a tie, too. I like more of like a combination. I like sputtering and stirring as a phrase, but sputtering let's wins. Let's go with so it. No, okay, great. <laughs> sputtering, and, sputtering and stirring. Sputtering and stirring and knives. Oh. Sputtering and stirring. Sputtering and stirring and dragging. Ooh. Again, I love all these together, but sputtering and stirring. <laughs> all right, we have just, a winner. Uh, oh, delightful. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Sputtering, sputtering and stirring and dragging. I like that. But sputtering yeah, and stirring. Maybe the no, three. No, maybe no, the sputtering three. and stirring. I'm happy with that. <laughs> so decisive. Sputtering and stirring. Love it. So the text is, in loving him, I saw a cigarette between the fingers of a hand, smoke blowing backwards into the room and sputtering planes diving low through the clouds. In loving him, I saw men encouraging each other to lay down their arms. In loving him, I saw small town laborers creating excavations that other men spend their lives trying to fill. In loving him, I saw moving films of stone buildings. I saw a hand in prison dragging snow in from the sill. In loving him, I saw great houses being erected that would soon slide into the waiting and stirring sea. I saw him freeing me from the silences of the interior life. Oh, wow. It was just like, there was just such an interesting, I felt like Miss Chemistry was just like incarnating such a similar sort of energy of like poetic, repetitive, yeah, poetic, poetic repetition and look onto the world that was somehow agnostic around the destruction of the past, the death, that she also implies as well. Mm -hmm. She's gone. She's passed. Mm -hmm. anyway. That's beautiful. 
Thanks. Well, thank you so much, Seamus. Thank you so much. This was so delightful, and I'm so happy we ended on a delightful little game as well. Thanks for listening to this podcast, presented by Momenta, Binal de l'Image. The present edition, guest curated by Ji-Yun Han, is entitled Masquerades, Drawn to Metamorphosis. Join me, Montreal artist and filmmaker Jamie Ross, for more episodes released weekly throughout the run of the Biennale. We have some really cool artists this year. This podcast was produced by Virage Sonore. And the biennial runs in galleries and museums in Jojage, Muniang, Montreal, from the 7th of September to October 22nd, 2023, on unceded Ganyakahaga territory. Thanks for listening. <laughs>